As the coronavirus continues to wind into another week, one of the things I'm hearing most frequently from people is, I'm bored. Hello, this is Rev Brad, Director of Soccer Chaplains United and Volunteer Chaplain for the Colorado Rapids of Major League Soccer. The global pandemic of COVID-19 is exposing something amongst the different countries, cultures, and communities that are all feeling the impact of the virus. On today's From the Touchline, we're going to talk about the three S's that people are struggling to confront and wrestle with during this time. We're back after this. He's found the space, and he's found the back of the net. Just a little off foot, thinking he's going to go far post. Not strong enough with his right hand. Whips that one in. Far post, almost made him in, and they have. He has the hat trick. The second in his career. The third of the night. The hat trick hero. Talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. the corner, goes towards the near post, and you're the angle, and what a goal! What a goal! Let's be honest, we're living in unprecedented time. So much of life has been disrupted and has changed since earlier, even from this year, that many are wondering what will life look like on the other side of the pandemic? For certain, I believe that to a person, we might all agree that this is not how it should be. Whilst the advances of technology afford us opportunity to stay in touch and even FaceTime or Zoom or chat with loved ones and friends, this isn't how it was meant to be. We were meant for community. Whether you're a churchgoer or a stadium goer or both, we feel the pains of separation and the difficulty. Lockdown, quarantine, shelter-in-place rules, regulations, guidelines have a compounding effect upon the global pandemic that we face. And this is exasperated by many of the different personality types and temperaments, and all of us are confined and locked in the same room for too long of a time. I know firsthand. (laughs) We're a family of six. But there are three S's that we all, in varying ways, are being confronted with during these times, and based on our experiences and personalities, we're all going to handle these things either better or worse. Understanding the three S's that we're faced with may bring us some ability to create space, and maybe that's a fourth S that will allow us some breathability and good mental, emotional, and spiritual health. For the next part, I'm going to lean heavily into a book that I finished on my recent sabbatical in January. To give a little backdrop, I was into the second day of my sabbatical, and I had retreated to a nearby Jesuit retreat center for a few days to begin my sabbatical time. As I sat with some meditation and reflection from the spiritual director, there was a dawning, a realization that happened. Initially, I had thought to myself, Man, this is exactly what I've needed. Silence. Silence is one of the S's we'll talk about in a bit, and the retreat center certainly was silent. But as I went on, I discovered that I was doing something. I was falling into a trap. Everything that I was reading, I was actually turning into an assignment. I'd be reading a book and I'd say, oh, I can use this for a group study. Or, oh, I might be able to use this with the first team. Or, I might be able to lead some coaches through this material. This would be really good stuff. The invitation for my sabbatical had been to rest, but I actually found myself working. Once I made this realization, I grabbed this book that I brought along with me, and I looked up a chapter that I recently finished reading before my sabbatical had began. The book is called The Sacred Enneagram by Christopher Huritz. I'll link to it in the liner notes. Huritz entitles Chapter 7, The Unexpected Gifts of Solitude, Silence, and Stillness. These are our three S's. During this time where much of the world is shut up inside 
Conditions are ripe for us as individuals to be confronted with the difficult and challenging parts to our lives and to our character, to our personality. And perhaps for many, uh, we are not looking at these three things as gifts per se, but rather curses. But I think it's going to be important to try and understand them a little bit better and see if we can't break through some of the mental and spiritual holds and molds that are holding us back. Let me pause for a moment and say, this book that I'm referencing, The Sacred Enneagram, um, I have done some work with the Enneagram, both personally and professionally. I'm not an expert on it, but I do find that the Enneagram has been one of the most powerful ways I've come to understand myself and others better. Uh, Now, the Enneagram isn't the end-all be-all, and I don't want to overly promote it, but it is going to be part of the emphasis that is on the podcast today. If you're not familiar with the Enneagram, it's similar to the Myers-Briggs or the Strengths Finder or several other personality assessment tools out there. I know there's, there's several. There's the DISC profile and such. But the Enneagram itself has an older history and is typically, in my view, more comprehensive in its insights into a person. Hewitt describes it this way. He describes the differences. He says the temperaments, things measured by things like the MBTI, the Myers-Briggs, they're like the specific room that we stay in. Strengths finders is that kind of assessment tells us more of how we decorate the room. But the Enneagram type is more about the kind of home that we build. And I think that's really helpful for us maybe to reflect on as we think about us being in quarantine status. Um, there's probably a favorite room in the house where we like to locate ourselves. There's probably, uh, but, but we all, probably all have our preferences on what kind of house we might like to live in. Um, especially if we're in Europe, we might want a little bit more space if we've got a larger family and we haven't been able to get out and get about. So just to kind of give you that as a little bit of a tool to understand where to place these things, I think there's value to the MBTI, value to the strength finders, but they're telling you some different things. The Enneagram itself is telling you what kind of house are you going to build? What's the overall structure? What's, again, the more comprehensive thing? So my Enneagram type, for those of you that are familiar with the language, I'm a type one with a two wing. And depending on what you're reading or what kind of assessment or profiling, I'm the perfectionist and I have a bent toward caregiving. That's part of the the chaplaincy work that I do. That's also part of being a director for Soccer Chaplains United. Well, I can't go through each of the types here and maybe that can be a podcast or two later on down the road, but I encourage you to, to explore this. Learn your type and learn. And I think if you take some time to reflect on your own struggle during this time, you don't even have to necessarily do the Enneagram, but you'll be able to spot which S of the three S's that you need to take more ownership of. Here it's writes, and I agree, that all three S's, silence, solitude, and stillness are important for all of us. But there's one that is typically more crucial for our Enneagram type. So let me begin. For types 8, 9, and 1, that crucial S is stillness. As I mentioned during the sabbatical, one of my struggles during this time was to be and remain still. And many of the athletes and coaches that I've worked with and have tended to test them, they tend to test heavily as type 1s. They're perfectionists. It's part of what makes them good at being an athlete. They're well-disciplined. They're trained. They They've developed skills and habits, et cetera. So, so speaking from it, that side, I know that for myself and, and for many of the athletes and coaches that I work with, there's a real struggle right now to stay still, to be still, especially if we're in the professional levels. Because 
many have worked and, and, you know, we've perfected our sciences of the body to understand at just what point we begin to lose the mental sharpness, the, the physical dexterity and skill that we've worked so hard to hone and craft and perfect. We, we know just about how many days and hours we can be uh, away from an environment before we begin to experience atrophy. Now, for those who aren't necessarily athletes, um, maybe we've been making a lot of pledges, either how we might improve ourselves during a time like this or how we might do a home project and, and make something better or brighter or, or our lives or something else during this quarantine time. Most of us, if, we're, if we fall within this range, we've struggled to be still. We struggle to turn things off. We, uh, for many who need to realize and receive the gift of stillness during this time, Instead, we fill up our calendars with Zoom call after Zoom call or project after project so that we can feel productive or so that we can at least try and capture some sense of our former work life and habit. For those of us that identify as types 8, 9, or 1, we're usually very driven. And so uh, that, that focus um, of stillness really breaks it for us. Uh, so many times our identities get wrapped up in what we do. Stillness is difficult because we lose a sense that we're doing something, that we're driving our cause forward, or we're improving the world, or we're improving relationships. And, and we, can f- we feel that the slowing down or shuttering of a noble cause, even one so great as to fix broken people or a broken world, it causes us to realize we're not in control. The thing that stillness exposes in that is our addiction to activity. Stillness forces us to come face-to-face with our idolatry of driving forward and the many ways that we impose those things on other people. Stillness forces us to be idle, to rest. And it's not a rest that is um, wasted. It's a rest that if if we really capture, if we really understand it, it's a rest that we can be renewed by God. We can be renewed in our mind, body, and soul. Well, the second crucial S is for those who identify as types two, three, and four. If you look at the Enneagram, there's a little bit uh, of a, it's a circle uh, map um, that kind of identifies out these types and there's different linkage. If you go deeper into it, you can understand more of the symbolism and and how how it all ties together. But for those who identify as types two, three, and four, that second S is solitude. Now, as I mentioned, I have tendencies and leanings towards the two. The two is a caregiver. Uh, the caregiver is the one who, who's always looking to help, support, you know, add in to someone. The, the three is an achiever. It's someone that loves to perform. They thrive in environments where they're interacting with others. They're feeding off their energy. So a lot of times, a lot of the football athletes and coaches I know, if they don't test as a one, they tend to reflect the, the typology of the three. Inherent within these three types, though, is the importance of other people. Other people help to energize and drive these personalities to, to really have senses of fulfillment and, and senses of purpose. So what happens when these types, these kinds of individuals end up in solitude? What happens when they find themselves alone? It's pure struggle. If the caregiver gets identity from serving others and there are quarantine orders in place, well, then who are they? You know, this is key for many who are sports chaplains. It's, it's a little different for healthcare chaplains, I think, 
because they might be uh, deemed as essential, quote unquote. And I put some quotes around that because it's very subjective in some ways. But for sports chaplains, um, they're likely not to be deemed as essential. I'm a volunteer with the Rapids, so I'm not an essential person to be in the room, to be in the environment, to be in the space, according to some. Uh, I believe some essentiality because of the spiritual care and, and things that I offer. But in, in the same regard, those sports chaplains, we're not around the teams right now. Um, we're not around the athletes and others in sport that we've been typically serving. So some questions get raised. Well, what work are you doing and how are you serving people or caring for them, especially if you can't be around them? So solitude in this sense doesn't really feel like a gift. It feels more like a painful loneliness for many, especially if their their type is a two and that's their strong type or their type is a three. But solitude as a gift actually helps break us from what I call the interfering presence. Types two, three, and four can sometimes put people in relationships in between themselves and God. In, in other words, they can distract themselves by saying, you know what, I'm, I need to look after my family. I don't have time for God. Or those kinds of things that can be an interfering presence because we let our personality, we talk about the, the number of people that we need to serve, and we miss, we miss the point. We miss the most important point, the most important relationship. But if we can learn during times of solitude to be present to God, present to ourselves, then it can greatly transform the way that we care for others when a time of solitude, when a time of quarantine is over. Finally, for types known as five, six, and seven, silence is the crucial S for personal growth and development. And how difficult this is. You know, honestly, we're streaming more, we're listening more, we have more noise in our homes and living and working spaces because they're all condensed and combined into one space. The five is, is that person who has to watch or listen to every report on COVID-19. They've got to inform themselves on everything that's going on. The sixth type is the one who's so filled with worry, they don't want to step outside uh, the door until they know it's absolutely safe. Let's not go anywhere until things are, are totally clear and clean. And the seven types struggling because they want to talk to everyone and figure out how the present opportunity might lead into something more wonderful and thrilling. So they, you know, there's a sense of adventure for them. So silence for these types is really a struggle because you've got these inner noises going on and these exterior noises. And when, the, when you have silence, those things become more pronounced and noticeable. And it, and it brings this muted soundtrack in the mind, in the back of the mind to the forefront. But silence really is a gift that helps a person to hear. It helps us to hear the voice of God. Remember, the voice of God doesn't come uh, as, a, as a loud, shouting, booming, sounding voice. The voice of God comes as a, a quiet, gentle whisper. Silence helps us additionally to really hear the heart of our neighbor to hear the heart of our family member that maybe we're shut up with and we're shut in with. Silence means that we can even hear what's going on inside of ourselves, whether it's our hopes and dreams or our griefs and fears. Now, of course, the three S's have history in the Christian tradition. There are spiritual practices associated with each of them. And here's a point where we can begin to realize change and transformation we must intentionally practice these. And if we know our personality type, or if we know the struggle that we're facing, we must all the more use this time to consider how God might want to 
shape us during this time. For the one who needs stillness in their life, who needs to develop better rhythms and habits of rest that honor God and others, and and this one's me, God says this. He says, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10. For the one who needs solitude, the one who needs to get away from people so that they can be alone with God, see the example of Jesus, who according to Luke in his gospel, wrote that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. You can find that in Luke 5.16. For the one who needs silence, for the one who needs to quiet their heart, mind, and soul, God says this. He says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Isaiah 30.15. For me, all three of these spaces, stillness, solitude, and silence, are captured in the invitation that Jesus made to his disciples and and the invitation that he still extends to us today. It's the reading from scripture. It it was actually the first uh, day of sabbatical that I read this scripture. So allow me to read from Mark chapter 6, verses 30 and 32. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, Come with me, by yourselves, to a quiet place, and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Listen to those words again. And these words really frame uh, the directive, the prayer that I think Jesus is offering to each of us whether, whether we need stillness in our life, whether we need solitude, whether we need silence. And, and I don't mean just we need them in the sense of a coronavirus global pandemic, but we need the practice of them, the good practice of them. Jesus offers this invitation to you and to me. He says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Friends, this is Jesus' invitation to us during this time. I urge you, don't neglect to understand what God desires to teach you about yourself, your need, my need for Him during this time. His is an invitation, an invitation to be still and rest, an invitation to be alone with Him, an invitation to a quiet place. May you accept this invitation and may you be refreshed in your mind, body, and soul. Amen. This is Reb Brad coming to you from the Touchline.